You're listening to the Voicing Your Brand podcast, episode number six. Welcome to Voicing Your Brand. I'm your host, Tammy Romani, and as a voiceover talent for more than 30 years, I've been a voice for many brands. But in today's digital marketing world, you've got to have your own voice for business. So now my mission is to help you learn how to use your voice for success by unlocking your authentic voice to tell your story and be heard. Are you ready? Welcome to the studio. Hey there, I am really excited to have as my very first ever interview guest on Voicing Your Brand, author Jim Woods. Now, Jim Woods and I have been in a business group together online for several years, and I've you know, seen his name fly by in different posts. I didn't really know his story until we chatted for this interview, and I'm so glad that he reached out to me. Now, Jim Woods is an author. He's an editor, a writing coach, and a storyteller. His two most recent books are Ready, Aim, Fire, and its follow-up, Focus Booster, both of which are designed to help you be more productive in reaching your goals. His passion lies in helping others reach their full potential, and I think that you will find his story inspiring. I hope that you will take away some some really important lessons from this in that you are not stuck where you are. If you are feeling stuck, there's something else out there for you to do. And Jim discovered that as he moved from being an accountant to being a full-time writer and writing coach. So let's not uh, waste any more time. Let's get right into his story. All right, my guest today is Jim Woods, and I have just introduced him, so I'm not going to go through all that again. But Jim, I'm so excited that you reached out to me. I actually posted in a group that Jim and I are in together and said, hey, I'm looking for some guests. And he came back with, my story is one of unlocking my authentic voice and going from an unsatisfying career as an accountant and becoming a full-time writer. Now, to me, those are, those are on two opposite ends of the spectrum, Jim. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty interested to hear your story, and I think it will be in, very inspiring to our listeners. So, you know, let's go back to the beginning. You were unhappy as an accountant. What did that look like for you? Wow. Well, it was about seven years ago right now. We're recording this now in 2018. About seven years ago, um, it really was like a culmination of just being unsatisfied, being bored, um, realizing that essentially I if I kept doing what I was doing, if I, if nothing changed, I pretty much could foresee like the next 10 to 20 years of my future. And, uh, it really came down to almost one discussion I had with a coworker. I, I remember, I remember it vividly. I was, I was in, it was early in the morning and, um, you know, we get our cup of coffee and we would just chat and, you know, shoot the breeze before work. And, I was in there in his, his office and I was talking to him and I said, I said, Hey, what's, what's the X's on your calendar? What's that number? And he had a number on his calendar. Like I want to say it was 85 or something like that. And uh, he's like, yeah, 85 days until I can quit. And then, uh, and then I can leave this place. And I, 
it mm-hmm. like jump started a conversation in my head like am i really just counting down the days until i can retire and i never really thought about it and you know in, in retrospect i think i think the number was even more than 85 i think it was like a year it was like i think it was like you know like 285 or something it was it was a ways out and i think that was what really hit me in the stomach where i was just like whoa that's not like who knows what will happen tomorrow let alone 285 days from now or something like that and uh, it just it, it started to like just bounce around in my head and I realized I was bored I was unsatisfied and I really was just kind of living weekend to weekend and not really engaged with my work I I have an accounting degree and I went to school for accounting and I I did accounting kind of during while I was uh, in college and uh, right after college when I graduated I just I stayed in this local city job and it was just it was really easy for me it wasn't engaging and it was just one of those things where I realized that if nothing changed literally like what would what would my career really look like and um, that really jump-started like well something has to change here I need to do something and that's kind of the real pivot moment for me. Wow. I can imagine how many people are just on the other end of, of the podcast app they're listening on and saying, oh boy, that's me right now. Right. That's me right now. And I actually had an experience similar to that where, you know, I've been a voice actor for so long, but I took a job at a local university and I was really good at it. I was the administrator of the the VA benefits department and they offered it to me completely, you know, full time. It was a temp job and then they offered it to me permanently. And I said, well, of course, I mean, of course I'm good at this and God placed me here. So yes. Mm -hmm. And literally the very next day I cried all the way to work. Oh, and I didn't know what was going on with me. I, I thought, what is this? I love it here. They, they treat me well. It's a wonderful environment. They respect me. They love me. Why do I feel this way? And I had to go through a really similar process. So I think that we have a bigger story and more compadres in this area than we even realize. So you're, you're good at something. You're an accountant. And that's very you know, you're using just one side of your brain there, but you've got this creative side. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it looked like to begin exploring that. I mean, that is such a huge shift. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was scary. It was scary. But I found that you can always retrace your past and kind of connect the dots. And I really, I think one of the key moments for me was I was, I, I knew I was frustrated. I was bored. I was depressed. I was just not feeling well physically either. And it was just like this, you know, perfect storm. And I was like, okay, something has to change. I know something has to change. And I was on my computer and just like searching. How do you know what I was searching for? I, I, I found a story that I had written though. It was for, for children. And I just wrote it on a whim. Didn't even think about it. It was really simple for me. It was, you know, I, I have uh, two kids and one of them was um, two years old at the time. And I was thinking, Hey, you know, yeah, that, that story is pretty good. It was about a little boy and getting his first guitar. And it was, some of it's a little bit autobi- autobiographical. If I would have, 
you know, been a little boy at that age, that's almost like I wish this would have happened to me kind of story. Mm. Um, getting a guitar for your birthday kind of thing. And I played guitar after I graduated college. I, I played in a local band here in Ohio and I just really enjoyed it, but I never said, hey, I'm creative. I never mm. said, hey, I'm an artist. I never would have said, hey, I'm a writer. And looking back, it's like, okay, I loved guitar. I loved like just the music. I loved creativity, but I never fully embraced it because in a certain age in like high school, it's like there's the, you know, you pick your group, you pick your group of, okay, we're the, we're the, the nerds or the jocks or the, <laughs> the band geeks. And, you know, then there's the artists and it's like, we somehow isolate the groups. And I just never, like, I didn't ever say, Hey, okay, I'm, I'm an artist or Hey, I'm creative. So I kind of had that filed away in the back of my mind. Well, reading that story made me think, Hey, what way, maybe I'm a writer wait a second, maybe I'm a writer. This is actually pretty cool. I like this story. Mm. And that was what really was the fuel for me. I started really seeking out other people who were creative, other writers. And I lived in Nashville at the time, which is an amazing city. You know, um, I wasn't really playing music in Nashville or anything like that, but I was, you know, I was into guitar and I was you know, making friends. And like I said, I was, it was, the weekends were fun time, but during the week it was very status quo. And when I started meeting with other people who were creative or entrepreneurs or just artists, it was like a switch flipped inside. And I thought, Hey, they're actually a lot like me. It's just, they have embraced it. And mm. I remember distinctly uh, a conversation I had with Jeff Goins. I don't know if you know him, but yes. he, he's a writer in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was a young guy at the time. I, I, was, I think I was like 31 or something at the time. And he was like maybe 25 or 26. He didn't even have any kids at the time. And uh, I read a post that he had and I just invited him to coffee. Well, we had this kind of awkward small talk for a little while. And then I finally blurted out, I uh, think I might be a writer. <laughs> and and Jeff just lit up and he goes, well, you're, you know, Stephen Pressfield says you're a writer whenever you say you are. And that was just like another key pivot moment for me where I was like, Ooh, so maybe I am, I just have to kind of embrace this. I don't have to necessarily make, you know, money or have so many page views or, you know, a certain level of popularity to say, okay, I'm a writer. You could actually do it you know, just right now, even where I was, and I, I was just blogging at the time, and it was mm. very general, you know, um, lots of random topics, but that conversation really sparked something there, and then I would literally meet with people every single moment I could during my lunch hour, and that really, really changed my life, because I was getting filled with encouragement, filled mm. with support, um, filled with ideas, frankly. Um, the more creative people you're around, the more creative you're going to be, I think. And it just, it was, it was like a natural progression because once you started down that path, um, it took about three years to go from, I'm a full-time accountant to, Hey, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a self-employed writer. And it's still a messy path if I look backwards, but, um, it's one of those things where, again, you can kind of trace the steps. You can say, okay, what well, started with this relationship, putting out my own book, you know, relationship building is really the key component for me, though. 
Tell me what that felt like the first time you made some money with your writing and you realized <laughs> this could be a thing. I could actually have yeah. a quit day. Yeah. Um, it felt incredible because I was in such a tight spot um, in my personal life. Um, we, I, I was about to have my second child. My son was about to be born and it was the first like, real moment where I was like, whoa, this could really be something. And I know this is unheard of now, but back, you know, time-wise during that time, that my house was worth less than we paid for it in Nashville. Now the house is just, you know, went through the roof, but we actually owed more on our house than it was worth. And I was able to pay down a little bit of that debt, you know, with that money from my book. And I was like, mm. whoa, this is actually really, really you know, life-changing. It wasn't like a full paycheck or anything like that, but it was pretty close. And I said, whoa. And my, my wife, I remember distinctively, it was like the timing was incredible because Amazon pays you like, you know, two months after the fact. And it was like right after Christmas. So we're talking like January of 2014. And it was just a key moment. And literally like I quit my job in August of 2014. And Whoa. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a crazy year. 2014 was quite the, uh, quite the whirlwind. And also we sold our house too, but we paid off, you know, all the, all that we owed on it and we were able to get like break even. And I just said, okay, well, this is a leap of faith. This isn't just, um, this isn't just a numbers thing. This is a leap of faith. And my wife and I really gave it some thought and prayer and we just knew it was the right time. And we were even looking at other houses in Nashville, but the more I, I really thought about it and, and talked with her, it's like, no, I need to go home. I'm from Ohio, Northeast Ohio near Akron. And that's where my family is. And I said, I, this is, no, this is a whole new chapter. This isn't moving from one house in Nashville to another. This is like, okay, big change here. And uh, it was amazing and it's been amazing and uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ever since, but it's, uh, it's a fun roller coaster as opposed to that daily grind where, you know, you feel a little defeated before you even fight the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your story's amazing. So take me back to writing that book. You're working full time as an accountant. You're, you're a numbers guy. <laughs> And then you've got to switch gears and spend time writing however many hours a day or on weekends or, yeah. you, and I know that you are a very good focus coach for people and I can see why now. <laughs> so you wrote your first okay. book and are you talking about Ready, Aim, Fire? Yeah, my first okay. one. And it, it changed names a couple of times. Um, okay. What happened was I literally was writing this book on the bus. I, my, one, one of my perks from my job and again, you know, you make things work. You get a little creative, you get a little gritty. And I had a bus pass through my work and it, you know, it took a little bit longer, but I thought, you know what, if I can write before I go to work, that helps my attitude, that helps my mindset. Um, that just helps my overall life, frankly. And I would write before work and I would, you know, if I wasn't meeting someone for lunch, I would write on my lunch hour. And because I had, um, one little one and the second on the way, I didn't really have a lot of time, you know, in the evening at night to really write. I didn't really force it because one thing I learned many times over is you don't want to burn the candle at both ends. It'll catch up to you. 
and I would work some on the weekends, but primarily it was more, you know, morning writing, um, lunch hour writing, and then some on the weekends. And it was just one of those things where you're building something brick by brick. And now looking back, Tammy, it's amazing because that is really my coaching, like guidebook. It's my manifesto. I, these are the core principles that I pretty much, you know, live by and preach all the time in my first book. So it's like, oh, wow, this was bigger than just a, you know, a a short book on goals. This was like me figuring out how I really work, how I really write and, you know, just getting all those ideas down. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for even people who don't think that they're a writer to, you know, get your ideas down on paper. You still probably have a book in you even if it's not like, hey, I want to be an author and I want to write lots of books, it might be a great way to start a new career or, you know, to start speaking or just to even sort out all of your thoughts and, you know, go in a new direction. That's fantastic. What would you say to the person who, like you were in the beginning, "Ah, I'm not sure I'm a writer. And I love that you said Stephen Pressfield says you're a writer when you say you are. Well, a lot of people are really reluctant to give a voice to that. They are reluctant to to speak that into the universe and say, oh, I, I am a writer. And and I, I do hear that a lot. I yeah. And I look back and I love that you actually searched the internet and stumbled upon something you had written. Well, I think that was a key point too. And I had blogged before, but I never took it seriously. So a lot Mm -hmm. of times what we do is play, we just discount it. We toss it off as nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look backwards and you've been writing, I don't care if it's poetry or short stories or blog posts or, you know, ideas on post-its. I don't care what it is you've been writing. If you've been writing some in the past, it's probably not a big leap to say that you're a writer. It's just an attitude of, okay, I can do this. And it's still scary. For a long time, I joked about it. And I said, I don't feel like a writer. I don't have a typewriter. I don't have a sweater. I don't have a pipe. I don't, you know, go off to a cabin. You know, all those cliches from, you know, movies. Or have a writing shed. Right. I don't have a writing shed. Yeah. And uh, I think maybe we let others shape our opinions, our, our perspective. And it could be one of those things where maybe you just write every, every now and then. Maybe you don't write every day. Maybe you write once a month. That doesn't make you any less, less of a writer. It, doesn't, it just means you have a different approach. You have a different system. And I think, I think that's maybe that's part of it. I think it's like, oh, well, you're not an athlete unless you're on a team. Well, I would disagree. I mean... If you're working out at the gym and even if you're playing unorganized sports or something, you're absolutely an athlete. You're working out at the gym, you're, you know, taking act in these, you know, physical activities. So I think it's with art, we get a little bit more perfectionist in our approach. I think that's the problem. Yeah. I I love that you said, don't discount what we do as play. Because that's what art is. I mean, any, any artist or creative will say, I love my work. I enjoy what I do. I love creating things. And it starts out with, I'm just going to play around with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to play around with that. 
and then you go through this process and now here you are teaching people exactly the process that you went through. And I, I really feel like that's what we're all called to do is teach what we know yeah. and just grow other people up in, in creativity because that's how we were made. You know, we're, we're made to be creative and yes, you know, keep that job until you're able to quit. But if you have, I really believe, I, I have a friend who believes that everyone has some kind of art inside of them, no matter what their job is. And her, her catchphrase is, do the art that's in your heart. Oh, that's I just, so good. I just oh, I love that. Oh, so, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to type that out. I will. I'm going to put that up on my wall. I have a few other quotes on my wall. Yeah. I'm going to put that up on my wall. Well, I will great. for sure connect with you and maybe I'll, I'll even put her uh, website in the show notes. She's yeah, a good friend of mine and she's actually written a curriculum for churches to use as kind of an after school program. Uh -huh. uh, but she's just very intuitive in terms of everyone has something. I don't care if your job is a plumber. You've got something that gives you that creative outlet because we're all made with all these components. We're all so complicated and so diverse that everybody has something that they can I, share. I, I completely agree. And I think one thing I should mention, and I think this will possibly help your listeners a bit too. One of the key moments as well for me in the past was actually taking a personality test. And I'm Which so, one did you take? I'm so uh, glad I took it. This was Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs. This was the Myers-Briggs. And I don't necessarily think it's the greatest or, you know, most accurate because there's a lot, you know, a lot in that one. But once I took that test, it just kind of illuminated a few things in my mind where I, I think that accounting was always, a, it was like, I can do enough of it to get by but it doesn't light me up. It doesn't make me feel alive. It doesn't make me feel like I really accomplished something. Um, but it when I took feed like, your soul, no, 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 definitely not. It was numbers <laughs> I, on a spreadsheet. I, I will say, I know accountants that it feeds their soul. Yeah. It makes yeah. them. So I have a girlfriend who is an Excel spreadsheet expert mm -hmm. and she's retired from her job now. And I can, I can pay her in, you know, going out to lunch and she'll create a, a spreadsheet for me because it makes her so happy. And I'm like, oh, thank <laughs> God for people like you because right? Right? I don't understand. I can fill in the blanks if you create it for me. And so thank goodness people like her exist. It, oh, absolutely. It, it absolutely feeds her soul. But then she's also an extremely artistic, creative person. Now that I think about it, she's a painter. Every year she creates these beautiful gingerbread creations from scratch. She draws the plans. She builds the gingerbread houses. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at Facebook, gingerbread obsession, you'll see her stuff. So I, I find that we all are so complex and we have all these sides to us. And, and just this conversation with you is really opening up that idea to me even more. I feel like there are so many of us out there who squash one side or the other. It's so easy to discount. It really is. And I think, I think there's such a fear component in doing something. And, and if we don't, it, it takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of guts and, and a lot of bravery as well to say, I made this and I'm happy that I made this, and I'm proud that I made this, versus 
I made this, can you tell me how much you like it? And that will make me think it's valuable. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of fear component because a lot of people make things only to please other people. Or but to when, give as gifts and they think, yeah. no one will pay me for this. Right. No one wants to buy this. I, I don't understand why you think someone would want to buy this. You know, I try and talk people through what their customer journey looks like. And they're like, I, 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 I know this is my gift and my creative outlet, but why do you think someone would buy this? You know, and I just go, because it's amazing, <laughs> you know, but I, yeah, you're right. There is that fear component. Um, I know that that was the big one for me because I was, I was afraid, you know, what will others say about me? Will yeah. I be able to pay the bills? You know, will my family oh, that's a big in one. cardboard box? You know, all of those um, extreme fears that don't even necessarily come to fruition, but they stop us in our tracks yeah. and just yeah. keep us frozen. Well, going big back to the Myers-Briggs personality test, Yeah. what, were you shocked at the results um, or were you... Well, like, I, was, oh, I, I cried. Myself. I distinctly remember crying when I read the results because oh, wow. I never had taken it before. Mm -hmm. And again, I, like time-wise, age-wise here, I was 30. I'm 39 now. So about mm -hmm. nine years ago, probably. Mm -hmm. Maybe 31, 32, right in there. And I'd never taken it before. And it just it actually, it, it made everything fit better. It made a lot of sense to me because if you... If I think with nowadays, if you can do something pretty well, you assume, okay, this, I can do this. This is fine. I can just keep doing this. But when you're doing something, like we said, that, you know, makes your heart light up and makes you just alive, it's a whole deeper thing. It's a lot, it's a lot more engaging. It, it means so much more to you. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just a job, it becomes a passion. And for me, just finding out, okay, wow, I really, really, I'm starting to become more self-aware. And it's almost just, it's almost like a puzzle and you're seeing all the pieces of the puzzle and guess what? They're starting to fit now versus that confused, overwhelmed age I was in where I know something has to change. So it was almost like, okay, I, I, I have the pieces now and now they're lining up and now I'm starting to see where they fit. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have a, a big struggle with how do I sustain this? Mm. You know, I might sell one or two things and make a chunk of money, but how do I make a living from my creativity? Yeah. What would you say to that? How, how did that process um, look for you when you had your quit day? How did you realize it was oh time? My gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, for me, it was, it was such a unique path. I literally put in my notice. I didn't have a plan in place other than moving back to Ohio. I had no plan. And I'm a planner and I'm a pretty conservative thinker, at least I used to be. And I was, I was like, I'm making a mistake. It was, was the voice in my head, but in my heart, I knew it was totally the right move. I landed my first freelance client, like the day after I turned in my notice. I do think that you can take some smart steps and don't depend on your art for your income, depend on your gifts. And then your art can actually be something separate versus being your sole source of income. So for me- um, yeah, I'd like was, you to unpack that for me. Yeah, and absolutely, absolutely. by that. 
for me, my, my passion is storytelling. I love fiction. I love helping other authors. That's my real passion. So my umbrella that I think everything falls under is story. I absolutely love story. Okay. But my, my, one of my clients, it was actually for a mental health facility where it was like writing blog posts about, guess what? Depression, working, you know, working through finding a new job, all of these things I had a lot of experience in. And I was able to use my gifts working and helping other people kind of tapping into some of that coach in me mm-hmm. and working and helping and becoming more empathetic. And that was a lot of the income for a while. And then guess what? Another client came along, which was Productivityist. Um, Mike Vardy at Productivityist.com. I actually worked with him for a while. And as an artist, working with a productivity specialist, learning it more inside and out, that helped me grow in so many ways. I was getting paid to stay in line, to be trained. It was amazing. It was like, That's you're getting paid to work out, right? Yeah, and I, I've worked with Mike for about three years. And uh, in the last season, I, I've had some new client changes, but um, it was like a growth period. And then I was able to even start coaching and helping others with productivity and you know, finding out their problems, solving the problems of like being overwhelmed. Hello, artists, entrepreneurs, we're overwhelmed a lot. And I know I fall into that myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I was literally getting paid to get better, frankly, to get better and to use my gifts. But my art, my, my side project, if you will, my passion, my hobby, even at the time, I was just able to work on that in the background. And so it wasn't all about like, you know, depending solely on my art for income. It was more depending on just those gifts of writing, editing, working and coaching, you know, um, working with various freelance clients. Uh, it was kind of a, I could almost just separate it out. And in my mind, it was, it was a nice way to kind of divide it up. I could say, okay, Monday, I'm going to work on this client's work. Tuesday, I'll work on this client's work. Wednesday, I work on my own work, you know, Thursday, I work on this client's work. And it was just an amazing fit because now I could kind of, you know, separate out my, my days and my time to an extent. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it the way you did. Don't depend on your <laughs> art for income, depend on your gifts and being able to separate it the way you have. Um, I feel like you are both a visionary and an integrator and so you're, you're a very rare bird because most of us who are visionaries are completely overwhelmed by the systems and the integration of how we get things done. Mm. And I feel like you probably can coach creatives into how you have done it, obviously, how to integrate all their information. It, it, this is fascinating to me. As a visionary who struggles with the whole integration thing, that's where I'm coming from. Well, there. I, I've learned so much through trial and error and learning and growing. And it's funny how we often learn the hard way, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Always. And, and I mean, I think the more and more, I, I have to give some credit to the Enneagram that helped me immensely to notice some of the patterns that I've had before in the past. Um, specifically, you know, like as you learn more about your patterns and also just, you know, in general, as you become more self-aware, you get better and better. And, uh, 
I say that only that, you know, we always want to keep growing and keep learning. All right. Well, for all of our listeners out there who've who really understand all the personality test stuff. What is your Myers-Briggs and what is your Enneagram? I am an INFP, which uh, when you look it up, you'll, you'll laugh and you'll yeah. say, yeah, he's an INFP. Mm -hmm. um, and I am an Enneagram four. And that's also a four with a five wing. And that five wing is how I was able to be an accountant for a while. I think that was my, my secret. The, uh, be, to being an accountant for a while, but I am okay. really mostly artists. <laughs> it's clear to me that I need to do an interview with someone who is an expert in these areas, and I have someone in mind for that. So, uh, nice. If you're listening to this and you have no idea what we are talking about, I think that <laughs> it's a great, it's a great way to understand yourself. It's also a great way to understand the type of people you are able to look uh, look for to work with if you. Mm. You know, you don't want to have a client. Honestly, you get to pick who you work with, right? Yes. And yes. not everyone gets to be on your team and not everyone gets to be your client, especially when you're working so closely together. So it's really a, a telling way to find out what works, what doesn't work. I find it all fascinating, even though I don't understand it, but it is really something to read a description of yourself and, and oh, okay they nailed it that's me <laughs> it's very strange very strange it is it is it's a little surreal but it's a it's a good thing and it's um i think i think also just the more you take of those tests and the more honest you are with yourself the more authentic you are with yourself you'll just start to notice all of these patterns emerge yeah. and i think that's the, that's the real secret because i've i've taken more and more of those different tests and one of my clients even had, uh, had, had a specific temperament test. And eventually you start to see the patterns emerge and you're like, okay, these tests are all actually have a lot in common and you can just start to see it and it just jumps at you. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like your life has kind of been a series of, of divine appointments as well, where, you know, just one thing kind of led to the next. And when we, when we let go of, of control, and we start to look into, okay, what's my next step? What, what is the natural flow of where I'm being taken right now? It sounds like you, even though you had some anxiety about it in the beginning, and I think on your website, it even said you almost had a nervous breakdown or you did. I'm sure I did. That's pretty intense. Like That's pretty oh, intense. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. And I do see, Jim, from your website that you, you mainly work with writers or those who think they might be a writer. And what does it look like to work with you? What do people come to you? What's their main question? Well, in a lot of cases, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on two of my most current clients that I've just seen a lot of success with recently. I think in a lot of cases, there's always that fear component in there. And I think there's that uncertainty. Um, one good friend of mine, um, and she's a fantastic writer. She's amazing editor. Um, her name is Anna McKenzie. Well, she, she just said, hey, could you maybe help me with, with, help me with my novel? Could you coach me? Could you help me out? And I said, sure, absolutely. I'd love to. You know, we were already friends. I knew her from Nashville. And the more we talked, talked things through, she just really started to see more and more that 
she had a lot of fear and uncertainty because we believe certain lies. We believe destructive patterns, like I can't finish. And working with her as she like finished her novel and like finished her rough draft in like last August, she told me, she's like, it'd been 11 years that she'd been wanting to write a book, been mm -hmm. wanting to, to write her novel. And a lot of it was meeting her where she was. And that's one thing I really try to do with all my clients. Meet you where you are. Play to your strengths. We all too often just ignore our strengths. And, and in some cases, I think we don't know our strengths, frankly. Mm -hmm. But I, I really love helping people play to their strengths. I just think that's so important. And another client, um, her name is Kirsten. She just contacted me. I think she found me through a podcast or a blog or something. And she's like, yeah, I, I'm working on a book, but I don't know how to, I'm not sure about blogging. I don't know how to handle this, how to, you know, make content. I don't really want to blog. And I just, I just say, Hey, let's schedule a call and just chat, you know, no strings attached, no payment. I didn't even care. I was like, look, you sound like you really need some help. Let's, let's set it up. I really want to help you right now. And, and just talking to her in, in an hour, she's like, wow, I am so unstuck. I was stuck for the, like the last three years. And I think that fear is just such a key component in there. And a lot of it is just meeting each person where they are and helping them play to their strengths. For Kirsten specifically, she loves story. She loves her character. She loves her novels, but she doesn't want to talk about herself. And I said, well, why should you? If you don't want to talk about yourself, you shouldn't feel that you have to you know, talk about yourself or, you know, blog about yourself. I think um, I said, but what if you were to tell about your story? What if you were, I said, I said, I know this is a little out there, but I said, would you be okay with doing videos and just talking about your characters, talking about the backstory, talking about um, some of your inspiration? And she's like, no, that's no problem. Like, I'd love to do that. That'd be great. And so I've been working with her for the last month and I'm just so excited because now she's like, I can totally do this and I don't have to do it in a certain way. Like I thought I, I did. I thought I had to blog a certain number of times and it would have to look a certain way. And uh, I, again, I just, I'm such an advocate for playing to your strengths. Mm -hmm. I, I can see that you helped her learn that she doesn't get, need to get personal in order to tell the story about how she creates a story. Yeah. And I think we, I think sometimes we, we get, we believe certain things if we read it enough, especially online, right? Mm -hmm. um, you are your own brand. Everything you do is your brand. We don't, we don't know like anything really about Stephen King and one of her, one of Kirsten's inspirations, huge inspiration, Stephen King. I'm like, we don't know anything about him other than like he's, he's married and he has some kids. We, he doesn't like talk about his personal life. You know, we don't know like his specific thoughts on, you know, so I think we always just want to, make assumptions. I guess it's so easy to make assumptions and then apply them to ourselves. And sometimes we just need to step back a little and say, do I really even want to do this? And if you don't, it's never going to be engaging or fun or enjoyable if you really just don't want to do it. So you have to make it something you want to do. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So my podcast is called Voicing Your Brand. So you brought it up, branding. I did, I did. How did you discover what your personal brand was? How did you 
unlock your authentic voice, so to speak, and begin to speak that to the world? I think it's a work in progress. I think it's always evolving. I do think there are key components. Um, being, being very vulnerable, being authentic, and working with productivity has been a huge part of my life because I need it. Otherwise, as an artist, I will not be productive. I will not finish my work. And I think, I, think it's a, I think it's always a work in progress. I think it's not like, okay, here is my brand, because I think we change, I think we grow. Um, but I do think having that umbrella of story, like that's one thing, that's an umbrella I can hang on to. And just everything I do, I want it to fall under story. Otherwise it just doesn't really fit very well for me. And again, playing to your strengths as a storyteller, as a person that just loves story. I think that's how I've kind of discovered my brand. I love that. I love that you, you say you have the umbrella of story and I just want to reiterate that everyone's story matters. If you're listening right now, your story matters. And the story that's inside of you that you need to tell if you are a writer or any kind of creative, get it out. Get it out. Even if it's just for yourself in a journal or you just start typing, get it out because you don't know where you will be led with that. I will never forget, you know, I'm kind of in that camp of, oh, I'm I'm not a writer until I was in a situation where a family member was in the hospital and I was writing daily updates to an email list of about 80 people who had mm -hmm. said they would pray with us. And people were coming back to me like, oh my gosh, it's almost like I'm there with you in the hospital room. You are mm -hmm. such a great writer. And, you know, I, I, you know, wrote a little creative writing in high school and so on. And, and I knew I could write. I knew I could hold my own. Actually, was a journalism major. So, duh, I'm oh, a wow. writer. But I never <laughs> considered myself a writer. Sure. So crazy. Journalism degree, you know, I'm not a writer. These are the lies we tell ourselves. And right. Then what it took was somebody reading what I wrote and saying, this is really good. Yeah. Or not even this is really good, but your words touched me. Yeah. Right? That's awesome. Your words yeah. moved me. Your words touched me. And I think that we really all have that in us. Even if it's rough and unconstructed, whatever your style is, there is someone out there who will relate to it. So I completely agree. I am That's with awesome. you on encouraging people to find their story, be authentic, and, and just kind of see where it takes you. Yeah, and I, I think too, just from your story, Tammy, it also speaks to the power of encouragement. Oh, what would yes. you, would you have ever said, hey, I'm a real writer, if you never would have gotten that positive feedback of, wow, that really touched me, you're a great writer? Yeah, probably not. I, well, you right? know, I don't know, because it I is mean, you, you probably believe it, but it's harder, it's harder to believe in our own minds sometimes, I think. Yeah. Maybe too many distraction perhaps or fear and i do see that i was in a vulnerable space mm. you know i had a very safe group that i shared this with and i was in a very vulnerable space but i used my creativity as i shared with them what was going on and people were coming back with wow 
you know, I, I can really picture this, what's, what's going on with you and what's going on in that hospital room. So I think that writing is kind of tearing out a piece of your soul, which is scary to people, yeah. but that's yeah. where you touch lives. Absolutely. And if we're, if we're here to touch other lives, then you've got to get past that fear. And well, I would say, do it anyway. Right. You have to. You do. And I think, I think writing is the ultimate therapy. I really do think that is a part of this as well, because there is no buffer. It's very raw in nature when it's just you and a page or you and a word processor. And I think that's like a huge step forward because it, I think that's where you really can start to be honest with yourself and telling your story. And there's just such healing power in stories, you know, in the redemption that we can find in stories too. And when we ignore it, when we just keep it bottled up and when we are just a consumer, as opposed to also being a creator, it just, it stays bottled up. And then I think, I think that's for me personally, I think that was like the source of all my health issues. I mean, it was, it was a real concern. My wife was so scared and I, I, you know, I was having all these random weird symptoms and I was 30 at the time and I never had asthma before, but now I had asthma symptoms and heart palpitations and, you know, new aches and pains every day. And I realized more and more, and I even talked with the doctor there. Um, it was, it took some time to kind of get into a right headspace. And I told him a couple of years later, I said, you know, I really think a lot of my problems were specifically stress related because I was simply not doing what I am meant to do. Hmm. And, and the doctor, he's like, yeah, he's like, I think about 80% of our, you know, physical, you know, physical problems. He said, I think a lot of it's actually all mentally driven. And I, I don't really, I don't, yeah, who knows, we can never confirm that or anything. But when he said that, it just, it, if he's thinking that, and I'm thinking that it just, it was really surprising to me. Yeah. And I will say to people listening that you have a story to tell. Like Jim said, writing is very cathartic. You don't have to share it. Mm-hmm. Write it for yourself. I will never forget. My mother lived to be 90 and I never knew she ever kept journals until after she passed away. And there were journals with pages ripped out because mm. there were things that she needed to get out that she then realized, I don't really need anyone to know this. So yeah, I would probably love to know it, but you know, maybe she was protecting me from something or, you know, whatever your thinking is, you don't always have to share it. If you are compelled to share, you'll know, you'll know. Yeah. And if it's so deeply personal that you can't, writing and getting it out and writing your story is for you. And I just encourage people to start there. And I think, Jim, that you are a great person to start with if people start doing that writing and then they say, I need more. I need, I need mm-hmm. help. How can they get in touch with you, Jim? Well, you can contact me via my website, jimwoodswrites.com. Um, I, I did have a special offer that I set up uh, with your, just for, for your podcast listeners where they oh, can fantastic. have a have a short little coaching call with me for the price of co- a cup of coffee. I think it's like three or $4. I, oh my uh, word. I love the idea. It's like, Hey, buy me coffee and uh, we'll chat. Um, which I believe was storycrafting.com. 
co slash create. I believe okay. that was the uh, URL I gave you, but I can confirm or deny later. Um, and well, I just we'll definitely you know, put I, that in the show notes for people if that's not the right thing or I'll correct it at the end of this. Oh, well, thank you. I, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's fun rebranding. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a I whole just, other conversation. Right. That is, isn't it? But um, just reaching out to me any way I can help or encourage you, I would be glad to. And I, I get it. I mean, I'm in the trenches with you. I can quite easily remember what it was, what it felt like, you know, sitting in that Panera with Jeff Goins saying, I uh, think I might be a writer. And I think that was a gift. I think that was an amazing gift where now I can kind of go back to that moment. And, you know, I, I saw Jeff just a few weeks ago in Nashville and, and that's like a moment we've always shared. And I've, I've mentioned that story a few times now. And I think that many other people are ready to have that same moment where, okay, let's, let's admit we're a writer and let's move on and let's start writing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's just start. Oh, thank you for sharing your story today, Jim. It has blessed me. And I know that you've blessed all of our listeners today. I hope that you will contact Jim and just let him know where you are. Start a conversation with him because he is so encouraging and he will definitely get you on the right track to really discovering your, your voice for writing and uncovering your story so that you can be heard. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much, Tammy. I appreciate it too. Thank you. Didn't I tell you you'd be inspired by Jim's story? I hope that you've really got some great takeaways from this. I love that he quoted Stephen Pressfield, who said, you're a writer when you say you are. He also talked about how important community and connection is. And, you know, he shared with us some really interesting takes on how he came to the place where he decided he had to quit or it was his health that was at stake. I hope that you will check into the show notes where I will put links to Jim's offer. I mean, come on, less than a cup of coffee, a few bucks, you can chat with him and get some insight. I really hope you'll take him up on that offer. The link is in the show notes. I've also put some links in there for how to get a hold of his books and just to check out his website and see what he has to offer for you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you next week in the studio. Have a great week. Bye-bye.